The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm so delighted that you could join us today. We have... Such an interesting show for you today. As always, I'm going to ask you to go to the self-improvement blog. We have something brand new and something I think is really exciting. We have a new player right at the top of the blog underneath the masthead from Voice America that lets you get the recent show right there. In fact, it starts playing when you open up the blog. And every show we've done in the last three years is available to you on that player. It is so cool. Um, I haven't really had time to play with it today, but um, I'm going to, uh, and and I encourage you to take a look at it. It, It's just really nice. Uh, Also, while you're on the blog, and and go there now if you can, take a look at the picture of today's guest, read his bio, read the book review, and then take a look in the right-hand sidebar. You'll see a couple of videos because this is somebody you're going to want to remember. We have a serious topic today, but still one that has tremendous joy in it. Now, most of us wonder what happens when we die. And we wonder what happens with our loved ones who've crossed over. And, And we always wonder if they're okay. Sometimes, for most of us, It feels like some of them are still around us. And we ask, does human consciousness survive after the death of the body? Can we receive messages from those who've died? Some of you will answer that question with an absolute yes. And some of you will scoff. After my fiancé died of Lou Gehrig's disease some years ago, a psychic friend of mine called me and wanted to give me a reading. She said she had a message from my fiancé, and she said, I have no idea what this means. And she gave me the message, and it was something that only he and I shared. It was, you know, a funny thing that, you know, gave us a lot of laughs but would never told anybody else about it. So it really, really rang true to me. Um, I, I was just tremendously comforted by it. I, I knew he was okay, and this life had been really rough on him the last few years. Now, my friend Donnie Tash, who's been on this show and, in fact, who introduced me to today's guest, is an astonishingly gifted psychic 
who can bring very detailed messages uh, from from the other side. It's really quite lovely. You know, mediumship and afterlife are are really popular topics these days. You know, we watch TV programs on zombies and ghosts and near death experiences and mediumship and what have you. We have games like plants and zombies and paranormal and movies like Ghost Dragonfly, What Dreams May Come. Uh, We read books like Life After Life and Proof of Heaven. And with all of this, we're still sometimes skeptical, maybe even a little bit afraid of what death is. We're going to talk about these things today because what we believe about death has everything to do with how we live our life. Today's guest, Mark Ireland, is the son of Richard Ireland, a renowned 20th century psychic who counsels celebrities such as Mae West, Glenn Ford, and Amanda Blake. Some of you may be too young to remember those names, but they were very powerful in the 60s and 70s. He was frequently on TV right here in Phoenix, and some of us remember watching him, and he was really quite amazing. Mark's book, Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go, is a moving account of his personal quest for answers about life after death, subsequent to the passing of his youngest son, and also because of the early death of his father. Mark has participated in mediumship research studies at the University of Arizona and the University of Virginia, as well as in independent investigations. He holds a bachelor's degree from Arizona State University and lives right here in Scottsdale with his wife, Susie. And I am absolutely so delighted to welcome Mark Ireland to the Self-Improvement Show. Mark, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I've been looking forward to this ever since I talked to you quite some months ago. You've written a remarkable book called Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go. What inspired you to write that book? Give us a little background about yourself and what led to the writing of this book. Sure. As you noted, I did grow up with a dad who was a psychic and it was really interesting. As a kid, it seemed more, more like a novelty than anything, and it was kind of just a normal thing in my household. I didn't think anything of it. It's just that Dad always knew what was going on, and you couldn't get away with a lot of things. <laughs> I bet you couldn't get away, away with anything. <laughs> right. So he, he always said that he would let things go, that you know, he would let some things go because he wanted you to have a normal childhood, but other things, uh, if he felt they were too serious or could be concerning to him, he would kind of catch you there. But despite growing up with a dad with those faculties and seeing that through, you know, my childhood years, I kind of grew up as more of a mainstream person, and I maybe it was trying to establish my own identity, and that was more aligned with kind of the conventional world out there. Uh, went to Arizona State, got a degree, went into business, got married, and had a couple of kids, and just was leading this kind of mainstream normal, if you will, lifestyle, and um, and really got into my job and career and advancement, and that was kind of one, that was probably my main focus to an extent that I was not really that balanced in my life. So while I always felt there was a spiritual side, I didn't pay as much attention to that part of my life. And then it was in 2004, my youngest son, Brandon, had gone for a hike one day in the McDowell Mountains, 
with some buddies, and that I had been gone the week prior, and I got home um, the Friday night, and his hike was on Saturday. And that morning, after he told me he was going on a hike, within a short period of time, I started having some strange feelings about it, and actually kind of like a premonition kind of feeling that he shouldn't go, that this could be bad, and uh, tried to talk him out of it, and um, he just said, Dad, we're going, like, stop worrying, kind of, and, um, but it was later that day, we were across town, and I received a phone call from my older son, who was at work, and he he said that um, the boys on the mountain were trying to get a hold of us, but we weren't answering the house phone, so they called him instead, and he so that Brandon, uh, my younger son, had been passing out on the mountain and they needed help. So I then called one of the boys on the mountain. We had intermittent service, so it was pretty frustrating, but I kind of got the bottom line that they didn't know what was wrong with him. And I ended up calling 911 and got people to go up there with a helicopter and everything. So we took off for home. We were about 40 minutes away. By the time we got up there, there was a horde of spectators, a helicopter, a fire truck, ambulance. It was pretty... Uh, frightening scene, and when I told the police who I was, the first person they introduced me to was a chaplain, so that was very uh, uh, concerning, and uh, it was a short time after that we learned that Brandon had passed, and they brought his body down from the from the mountain. So it, that was, I guess uh, you would say, the first, the catalyst, really, for me um, going back into my lineage and what I had learned from my father and that whole background because uh, my father was actually a minister too, but he melded this together. He felt like this was a gift from God and that it should be embraced, not shunned. Um, and I, I found comfort and solace in it, quite frankly, in thinking back about it. And then soon thereafter, you know, connecting with some folks who had these abilities to get some insights that helped me. And the first one actually was my uncle Robert, who had similar abilities to my father. You know, let's let's talk a little bit. Your father had. I, I think it'll make us understand, you know, much better how you could deal with the death of your son and how you then began to research some of these things. Because your father was quite remarkable. Tell us some of the things that that he did in his TV show, or you know, just in in daily life. I mean, he he really was amazingly gifted. Yeah, if he were here today, I think people would probably view him as the preeminent, best psychic medium in the world today. I, that's my guess, because I've not seen anyone close to him. I've met some of the best that are around today. And that's not to brag or anything else. It's just you lived with that and saw the specificity and the just second nature of it to him. It just was astonishing. But, you know, it just invaded a life. He just kind of knew everything that was going on, or he knew you were going to do this or do that. But in terms of public demonstrations, his, the main thing that he would do was called blindfold billet. And there are people out there who have had a reputation for using blindfold billet in a fraudulent way as entertainment. But they didn't do it the same way as my father. They would, like, just put one blindfold on and then have some method of peeking down. My father would take ten strips of Johnson & Johnson adhesive tape, seal it tight against his eyes, put one black blindfold over the middle, another side, kind of diagonal over that, another diagonal over that, put more tape. So he was completely covered. There was no way he could see. And even if he could, the information he would share um, after people would send messages up on written pieces of paper, that there's no way he would have known those things. And so that was kind of the most common demonstration he would do. You'd be in an audience, you'd write a question, uh, you'd send it up, 
and then he would go through the papers and just answer them one by one, and he'd usually hit, I'd say, 60 to 70 percent of an audience of 100 people, which is uh, pretty remarkable, and he would give you incredibly specific information. Uh, you might write down, uh, will my radio show be successful, Irene? And then, so he might get that and say, uh, is this Irene, Irene Conlon? And he'd say yes, and he'd say, well, you didn't write your last name, did you? But he'd get it anyhow. <laughs> but and he'd get he'd, it, yeah. yeah. And then he would, um, he might say, uh, yeah, your show's going to be phenomenally successful, but I want to talk about something else, you know. Let's talk about your fiancé who passed, you know. And then he'd go into that whole thing and, and tell, talk maybe and say, you know, your fiancé's doing great, you know, since he passed, and give you the name of the fiancé and, and things like that. Um, he would also, some people would put um, currency into their billets for their papers. Oh, this one blows me away. So they would, um, well, I'll just, in fact, usually what people would do, they would say take, take a $10 bill or $20 bill. They'd write down the serial number and keep that with them, and then they'd send the bill up and then ask for the serial number. And he would give them the serial number, often without even opening the thing. It could just be held in his hand. But I know someone personally, Tony DePrima, who's an attorney here in town, who um, actually had a, owned a uh, restaurant with a showroom and had hired my dad back in 1967 to do demonstrations. And they tested my dad by putting a $20 bill and wrapping it in aluminum foil and putting that inside of an envelope and sending that up and saying, give us a serial number before opening this. And he was tested that way on three occasions and on all three occasions gave, gave them the correct number. And I hate to say this, but we're going to have to go to break. So I want the uh, the listening audience just to think about this. You know, some of us can't read the serial number looking at it right off of a bill. Mark's father could read it inside an envelope, inside something else, and totally blindfolded. With that thought, we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Ireland, saying stay tuned. We'll be back for more, and you won't want to miss it. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The challenges facing our teens today mean that more than ever, we need to be there to support them and encourage them. The Dr. Stem Show is here to provide discussions about topics that will help promote healthy relationships, self-image, and success for teens, parents, and the community. Our young people can achieve more in life than they ever dreamed possible. The Dr. Stem Show, hosted by Dr. Stem Malatini, will foster these discussions and encourage your participation. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, and 9 p.m. GMT on Voice America Empowerment. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? 
No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Mark Ireland. We've been talking about his father, who was a very gifted psychic medium, who was, um, well, he, he didn't just stay in Phoenix, he was pretty well known across the country. In the late 60s, 70s, um, and he was telling us some stories. You, you must have a lot of stories, Mark, about your father. You know, can you I give do. us a couple more? Yeah, I do have a lot, not only from our family, but from people who have approached me. In fact, in the last couple of years, I've had so many. I feel like it's been a gift, and it will help me, because someday I want to do a biography on him, or at least an overview of some interesting things about his background, and just give him kudos for the work that he did. Um, about two years ago, I was actually speak, had a speaking event, and a woman came up to me and she says, you know, I saw your father years ago, and I have a story to share with you. And she actually wrote it out for me. And her name's Norma Poling. She, in 1963, had seen my father at an auxiliary meeting of Good Samaritan Hospital. Um, and during that, she, you know, he was taping and blindfolding his eyes and asked everyone out there if they would write a question. And so she was trying to decide in her mind between two questions. She thought, well, should I ask, will I have a fourth child, or should I ask, will I get my master's degree? So she ultimately decided to write the question about, will I get my master's degree, and that's the only question she wrote. So she sent that question up, and... um, Near the end, she didn't think she was going to get an answer because he was almost finished, and then she was the last person to get an answer, and he said, yeah, um, you will get your master's degree, Norma. And so she thought, okay, well, I don't know if I will or not, but it's, I'm glad, glad he answered me. And she did eventually get her master's degree. Well, five years passed, and then she went to see my father again at a different venue. So this time, she asked a completely different question, nothing related to her first visit back in 1963. So... Um, out midway through the demonstration, my dad grabs her paper and says, um, Norma, Norma Poling, oh, I see you had that fourth child. Oh! So he answered a question that she'd only thought of five years earlier and never even written down. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, another one, actually, this is one that I found through research that was kind of cool, but I found an article in a 1972 newspaper called the Tuscaloosa Times. And the article was about the Duke Parapsychology Lab, which, you know, was run by J.B. Ryan for 40 years. Ironically, I now know Sally Ryan, his daughter, who runs the Ryan Institute. 
But J.B. Ryan was the preeminent researcher of psychic phenomena, specifically telepathy, for 40 years, from 1932 to 72. This article was about Helmut Schmidt, who was then J.B. Ryan's right-hand man. And in the article, it just talked about their studies at the labs and all the work that they'd done. And um, what Schmidt said in there that was really interesting, he said I was, one of his disappointments was that he felt they could have had even better results if they'd used professional psychics because Ryan didn't want to. He just wanted to use students that were part of the, the school. And um, didn't, he was afraid of being duped or that skeptics would give him a hard time and say he was tricked in some way. So Schmidt brings us up and he says, I wish that we'd have considered using more professional psychics. And then he says, he goes on to say, for example, I recently saw this man, uh, Richard Ireland, in a public demonstration, and I did my own test on him. And then he went on to describe the test. He said what he did was he went to three different tables um, in the room, and he asked for a number from each table. So the first table gave him a three, the second table gave him an eight, the third gave him a five. So, and each table didn't know what the other number was that the others had given him or even what he was doing, really. So he wrote the numbers 385 on a card or a piece of paper, folded it, put it inside an envelope, sealed it, and on the outside of the envelope wrote, tell me what's inside this envelope. So when my father got it, it was just like easy for him. He said, oh, so, uh, you want to know what's in the envelope? Well, it's written in red ink, and it's the numbers 385. And um, <laughs> so then Schmidt had written the odds against chance of that are incalculable. So he used that. He used my father as an example of, of a case where had they used people that are really, truly highly gifted, their results at the lab might have been even more outstanding. I'm sure they would have been. But those are two more stories just to kind of give you a sense for my father's level of ability, both in the psychic hey. realm, but also, you know, he, he would bring through messages from deceased loved ones. And as a young person growing up, that was my favorite thing. That gave me the most confidence in the spiritual aspect of our of ourselves through through my life. Now, uh, you you just brought up so many questions, but while we're talking about your father, he left a manuscript, didn't he? And and you had it published. You know, tell tell the the listeners about his book that you had published and your book, how they can find them, how they can get them. And, and I've read both of them now, and, you know, they're both phenomenal. Uh, your father's book is probably the best book I've ever read on psychic phenomena and psychic ability and sure. how, you, how you develop it. It's, it's very good. Well, first um, off, if people want to obtain the book or read more about it or learn more about me or see videos of my dad, just go to my website, and that's www.markirelandauthor.com. It's Mark with a K, Ireland like the country, the word author. So markirelandauthor.com, and you'll find everything there. My book, Soul Shift, came out in 2008. Um, I got my father's book published. It's called Your Psychic Potential, A Guide to Psychic Development. That came out in 2011, although he wrote it in 1973. And then my new book is coming out December 10th. It's called Messages from the Afterlife. And I'm so excited. I've gotten 13 reviews from top people in the field, um, and they're all just really, really positive. And I, I feel that the book's going to do well. I think it actually goes into a deeper dive and provides, even for those who are science-minded, I give a lot more there in terms of scientific credibility for these sorts of phenomena. 
And I address other things such as religious taboos and things like that that people might be interested in depending on where they're coming from. But as far as my father's book, this is really interesting. It was 12 years after my father had passed, and um, someone that I knew that my father knew said, Hey, Mark, I've got something for you, um, and I feel like it's, I need to give this to you. And I said, Well, what is it? He said, um, It's a book. It's a book that your dad had written. Well, I'd never even heard of this or knew it existed. And so I said, well, why are you giving this to me now, 12 years later? He goes, I, I don't know. I just feel like I need to. I'm supposed to. I said, all right. I have well, an idea. He had a little visit. <laughs> yeah, well, two weeks later, this is why it's significant, and we're not really gotten into the topic of the mediums I've met with yet, but um, a lot of people on the line have probably heard of Alison Dubois by virtue of the show Medium, which was a smash hit on NBC initially, and then CBS picked it up later on. But there is a real-life Alice Dubois who lives here in Phoenix, and I was able, fortunate enough to have a reading with her in August of 2004, roughly seven, eight months after my son passed. And one of the first things she said in that is, your father's showing me a book, and he's showing me that he's handing the book to you. It's for you to take forward. Do you know what he's talking about? Well, <laughs> that had just been two weeks after I was handed the book under the other circumstances I described. So... Yes, it rang a bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what would you say was the greatest influence your father had on you? Really more than any of those phenomena. Um, the most important thing, I'd say, was his loving nature towards people and his non-judgment of people. So the phenomena are great, and they're, they're nice to show people and demonstrate that we're more than a body and more than a brain, which is what, a point he wanted to make and that there's a spiritual essence to us that is the core of who we really are. But the way he would live his life um, was he just lived for the day, and he loved people, he didn't judge people, and he embraced people to an extent that a lot of folks would be uncomfortable with it. Like, we would have people stay with us, you know, um, and things like that that would be invited there. Just like, you know, he. I would just say that he tried to live the way Jesus lived in terms of embracing all people, and really, truly doing it, not just giving it lip service. So I'd say kind of being kind. One of the things he would say during his demonstrations at the end was, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Ah, nice. What a lovely, lovely example he set for you. Let me ask you this, and this just popped in. Do you think psychic abilities are inherited? Uh, is it something you can learn? Um you know, are you more open to it because you witnessed it on a daily basis? You know, how do you think we get these psychic abilities? First off, my dad would say that everyone has the ability, but it varies in degree. And I would, I would concur with that. Yeah. And most of the researchers who've gotten into this field, they would say that there is a genetic link. So it tends to run in families. It ran in my dad's family. His grandmother had it. He had it. My uncle had it. And then even on my mom's side, uh, I had relatives who were psychic as well. So it kind of, it would make sense that I would have some ability. And I'd say that I do. I just am not at my dad's level, nor have I sought to really nurture it to that degree. But when I've tried with Ernest, I've actually surprised myself. But, you know, today it's not my foremost interest to become someone doing readings for people. Um, it's just, we're just different people, you know, and maybe the day will come when that will unfold to a greater degree for me, and I'll feel like, hey, that's something I should be doing. But I would say it runs in families. It is passed on. 
everyone can develop it, at least to some degree. Um, and a lot of it has to do with just following hunches and feelings and not dismissing them and trying to be overly analytical. Um, but I would say that there, some people have more latent ability than others. So it's kind of like the sports person in a, any sport. You find the overachiever who doesn't have a lot of talent, but they work really hard and they get to a certain point. You have other people who have a lot of ability, but they don't really nurture it at all. And so it's there, but it's not really that profound. But the people who have the raw ability and then develop it, like my father, they become kind of the superstars, I guess, if you will, of psychic phenomena. And it's really just a, a part of who they are. You know, they, they can't not do that, actually. Exactly, and that's one thing that cracks me up about people who condemn them for whatever reason. It, it, it's an aspect of who they are. And, and frankly, it's an aspect within all of us, and I just think that, it, you know, if, I bet if you went back 40,000 years and looked at humankind, I'll bet you that these sorts of abilities are very common because they protected us. They allowed us to perceive when there might be some wild animal around the corner about to pounce. But now we live in a technological age where we're so reliant on phones and radios and TVs and the Internet and you know, we, we drive around in cars. We insulate ourselves in, in such a way. And, but also we're bombarded with sensory input that overpowers that because those things are very subtle. It's like a subtle feeling, a subtle Exactly. Voice. But there are still those of us who know when the phone's going to ring and who's going to be on it. And on that note, we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Ireland, saying stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Self-Improvement Show. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. We let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives. Technology, instant delivery. We live in an on-demand world. What's happened to the compassion, the kindness, a better pace? Listen to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. We'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world. Our guests come from around the world and will discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Is there a real magic formula for success or is it something more? Does the divine nature within, when activated, become a powerful unified force that catapults an individual to greatness? Join visionary host Sharon Rose Washington, author, empowerment life coach, and energy healer to explore the answer to the big question of why we are here. She'll have amazing luminary guests ranging from business thought leaders to top celebrities. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. When we ended the last segment, I said some of us know when the phone's going to ring and who's going to be on it. And Mark, tell, tell them what you said to me during the break. It's lovely. Yeah, actually, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake in England has conducted a study on this. Uh, he had conducted a study to determine statistically whether people know who's going to call more often than not. And the result of his study was, Yes, they do, and it was statistically significant. Um, I don't know his website address, but if anyone were to Google um, Rupert Sheldrake, they would find his website, and I'm sure he has an article about it. Um, He's also done one on do uh, pets know when their owners are returning home, which is kind of interesting as well. Like he did this study where to test whether dogs would go to the window more often when an owner was returning home, but when they were still outside of a range of where sensory input could lead them to know that the that they were coming home. Like, they couldn't hear the car or anything. It was still far enough away. But um, interesting. They're stuff. always in the window when you drive in. I don't know when they get there, but yeah, there they are. You know, Mark, the subtitle of your book is Finding Where the Dead Go. Oh, so I'm going to have to just ask you right out. Where do the dead go? Well, um, the subtitle was actually the brainchild of my publisher, and I didn't really want it because I didn't like the word <laughs> dead. Um, in fact, he had something worse than that, but I'll leave it alone. Um, but my best answer to that is I can't tell you precisely, and I don't know that it's really aware. Um, I mean, if you look at the physical realm that we're in, if you're going to go out away from the Earth, you're going to find other planets and other galaxies and things like that if you have the ability to travel fast enough. So I don't think it's some other place in a physical sense, but I think what we're dealing with is that we live in a universe that may have multiple dimensional realities that are at different different vibrational frequencies. So basically the next realm could be right here, right around us, and that's why it's so easy for some mediums to communicate with our deceased loved ones because they're actually right here but operating at a different vibrational frequency. And we could get into a whole discussion on quantum mechanics and how at the subatomic level, you know, basically everything in this world is energy and vibration. So people think of this world as so solid and real and the tree is solid or the desk is solid, but they're actually, um, you know, energy and vibration is what underlies that. And, and, And atoms are not compact at all. They're... 99.99999% 99.99999% empty space. So I guess that's my answer. I can't say precisely, but I think There's so many things we don't know. What comforts me is just thinking about electricity and knowing that I can turn my TV on or my computer. I can get all this stuff wirelessly. You know, I can't see it in the air, and yet I see the results of it. And that right. kind of 
that kind of helps me for some strange reason, but, uh, you know. That's actually a good example because um, when describing how, you know, we could possibly have these sorts of communications or someone could live beyond having a physical body, it's kind of like, well, today we think of the body and the brain as the TV set. You know, it's kind of this conventional wisdom that, well, you know, the TV set is is real. Um, but when you think about it, it's those signals coming to the TV, they're not in the TV. No, they're, they're independent just... of the TV. And I liken us to a, a, com, a computer, and you know, we won't. We don't want to get into that because I want to talk about some of the research you've been involved with, and some of the top mediums you've met with. Um, now, just briefly, tell us about some of the mediums, and then let's go into the research because it's 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 so good and it's so interesting. You know, well, but sure. Well, the first, really, the first medium, psychic medium I met with after my son passed is my uncle. Um, as I mentioned, he had similar abilities to my dad, and this was just hours after my son had died. He said, Mark, is there anything I can do for you? I said, yeah, if you, if you get anything at all about Brandon, I would really appreciate hearing it. And I think it was about two days later, I was in the mortuary making arrangements, and my cell phone rang, and it was my uncle. And he said, I had something to share with you, Mark. And um, he said, well, I was meditating last night, and I tried to connect, and I didn't get anything at all. But this morning, I got up and did my meditation, and your father came to me, and he told me that um, he was there to meet Brandon. Brandon was confused in the beginning, but he helped him adjust. Brandon wanted you to know that you're the best parents he ever could have had. Now, that's a message we like to hear, but along with that, he gave me a piece of information that we didn't have. We didn't know Brandon's cause of death at the time, um, mm-hmm. And none of the authorities would tell us what, what had happened. And so I, um, my uncle said, your, your dad told me that Brandon's death was caused by a lack of oxygen in his bloodstream that causes heart to fail. It was about three days later that I, got, I spoke to the physician who had conducted the autopsy, and she had said that Brandon died from a severe asthma attack that had caused his um, blood oxygen levels to dip and it caused his heart to fail. So that was the first validation that I had. And then after that, I had an opportunity. Um, this was, I think, February, just a month after Brandon had died. I was watching Channel 12 News, which is the NBC affiliate here in Phoenix, and they were running a feature on a mediumship experiment um, process that was going, research study that was going on at the University of Arizona at the time. And I was really intrigued by this. Um, they showed um, the medium sitting in one spot and then the sitter, who is the recipient of the information, sitting behind the medium out of the view of the medium. And the, the sitter was not allowed to converse, so it was kind of a one-way uh, talk. And uh, so it was single-blind, essentially. And during this, the medium they showed was Alison Dubois, and that's the first I'd seen of her or heard of her. But I was really impressed with uh, what she had provided. It was specific information, and they showed the sitters afterward how accurate the information was and how it fit them so so perfectly. And so I thought, gee, I'd love to get a reading from her, and someday I'd love to get in that lab. Well, the very next day, again, this might be my dad at work, <laughs> I got a call from <laughs> Jerry Conser, who's a gentleman that lives in Dallas, Texas, and he was a friend of my father's. And Jerry said, Mark, I know what you've been through, and I, but I know somebody who might be able to help you. Her name is Allison Dubois, and here's her phone number you can call to try and get an appointment. So I thought, okay, this is a, a nice piece of synchronicity. 
So I, I made the call, and I was able to get an appointment with Allison, um, although she was still popular at the time, and that was even before the show came out, that it was uh, not until August that I was able to get in to see her. But there were a number of pieces of information that she gave me that were really on the, on the money. She, at first, she didn't know that it was um, a son that had passed. She wasn't sure if it was because I had two sons, um, but she started describing something that was like drowning or asthma with a son. And um, it was interesting because the autopsy physician had told me that Brandon's the lungs had actually expanded to where they almost touched in the middle in an effort to try and capture more oxygen, and that only occurs in cases of drowning or severe asthma. Um, Allison had also offered congratulations for my wife on my 25th anniversary, which had just taken place about five, six weeks before that. Um, and she had that validation, as I mentioned before, about my father's um, book, about that your father's handing uh, a book over to you. I think it's his book. Does that mean anything to you? That was really striking. Um, and there were just a number of other, other things, too. After Allison, um, then I kind of I thought, you know, what I'm going to do is um, meet with a few of these people and, and kind of put this together as like a mosaic. I'll have different pieces of information. And then I found a lot of them were giving me kind of many of the same things, and they were, there was a consistency there, but still they would give me unique pieces of information as well that were good. There's a gentleman here in Phoenix I went to named Jamie Clark, who's very gifted. Oh, um, I know Jamie. Well, yeah, he's a great guy. And yeah. one of the, the most validating pieces of information he gave me was that he um, spoke about a photo of my two sons with our, you know, saying Brandon's showing a photo of him and his brother arm in arm, and it looks like they're up on a pass, like a mountain pass, and it's real green. It looks like Hawaii. And so I didn't immediately recognize what he was talking about, but later on I had gone, um, I mentioned that to my wife. She started going through these old photos uh, from a trip we and from a trip we'd made to Hawaii four years earlier, and we found the photo that matched what Jamie had said. Oh, my that, goodness. That's something that's really validating because, you know, one thing that people will allege, they may believe in psychic phenomena, but they don't necessarily believe that the information is coming from a deceased person. Um, this is one of the forms of evidence that kind of counters that, and that is he spoke to something that we didn't, that couldn't have been pulled from my mind because I didn't know it. Um, or, or if I did know it, it, it would have been buried in the archives of my subconscious mind because I did not remember that photo at all, uh, nor did my wife. Um, and Jamie also brought up the 25th anniversary, which was rather interesting, um, and kind of, you know, collaborating the same thing. Um, another thing for my wife that he said that was really uh, touching for her was that your son's always around you, that... He shows you in the store yesterday, store recently, and you're digging in your purse like you're going for your card, but you can't find it. Well, the day prior, she had been at the grocery store, and she realized that she didn't have her debit card with her, which she'd normally use to buy groceries, uh, because she'd given it to our older son, Stephen. So she was digging through the purse for this card and couldn't find it. So that was really touching to her. Um, I can tell you about a couple more, but you're probably coming up against break again, aren't you? We, uh, you, you must be psychic. Yes, actually, it is time for break. Um, but we're going to continue with this when we come back. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Mark Ireland saying, "Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of the Self Improvement Show." 
success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Today we're talking with Mark Ireland about psychic mediums and what happens to us um, when we leave this body. One of the things that I really find interesting in your book, Mark, is the research experiments that you participated in. I know you worked with two universities and you were a sitter. Tell us what a sitter is, what you do, and what they find from this kind of research. Sure, a sitter basically is someone who is a recipient of information from a medium or a psychic. So if you went for a reading or a sitting, you would be the person that's there receiving the information. So say you lost a loved one and you wanted to try and connect with them and you went to a medium, the sitter would be the person who went there to get the information from the medium. Same for a psychic reading. Um, that's what a sitter is. In the, in the research environment, the sitter, you know, it's the same thing but there are more controls put in place to prevent fraud and to ensure the validity of what's going on. Um, initially, some of these tests that you evade, like the one of me, if people go to my website, they can actually go to a link and see a clip of that on Discovery Channels because my experiment at the U of A was taped for Discovery Channel. And the medium there was Lori Campbell. So this was a single blind test. I sat behind her. She could not see me. I could not talk to her until the end of the experiment. Um, but without even any of that opportunity um, and with that blinding process in place, the researcher had asked her a few questions. So here's just a couple examples of, of the information she was able to provide in that situation. She was asked, you know, she was given the name Brandon and said, um, Brandon is the sitters. And before, before the researcher even said the word son, she said son. So she led the way on that. And then 
He said, can you tell me how Brandon died? Uh, what was his cause of death? And she said, I feel like the air is sucked out of me in my chest area, and I feel like I want to throw up. Well, as you know from what I told you already, he died of a severe asthma attack, even though right. we didn't know it initially. And he did vomit before passing away. His friends had told us that. Um, she also said that she saw books piled high in philosophy, science, spirituality. And she said, whatever this person does, they try to inspire others. I see them writing down their thoughts. And that was in regard to me. And she said that she felt I was writing a book, and it was about my son, about Brandon. Were you writing the book at that time, or had you? Yeah, you know, had... yeah. Soul Shift <laughs> was being worked on at that time. It wasn't done, but it was being written at that time, and there's a whole chapter on that. She also managed it, uh, mentioned that there was a tree with a plaque, and indeed he went to Sorrel High School in Scottsdale, and they had uh, one of the students had made a sculpture of a bass guitar, because Brandon was a bass player, um, to honor him with a plaque on it with his name and an inscription, and then a tree was planted behind that. So those are some pretty specific pieces of information that were shared under controlled conditions. Since then, though, um, a lot of these... First off, there aren't that many places doing the research because there's not the funding for it. You'd think that this is something people would want to know more about than anything else, but unfortunately we live in a, in a society where materialism is just viewed as fact, even though I don't think it is at all. And there are a lot of scientists that are, that are open-minded, but they just there's no money going to this. So there's few people doing the research. And the ones that are, like the Winbridge Institute in Tucson, is run by Dr. Julie Beichel. She basically took over the work that was done by the U of A that was no longer being funded, and she's got her own private research foundation. But she's gone to doing quintuple blind tests. So, And that's all to counter skeptics, because after some of these results were published initially, then the skeptics are either just never satisfied. It's never good. No. So now they've gone to quintuple blind tests, and she still has significant results. But what it does, it removes the sitter so many levels from the direct contact from the medium that the emotional component that's so healing is kind of torn away. So even though I support the research, I think it's valuable. To me, it's already been proven, in my mind, to be real. And so the real value there is sharing the information with people that are open to it and that can be healed by it. And then if someone wants to have such an experience, you know, for me, I enjoy it the most actually sitting down with, with a psychic medium directly or over the phone, um, not in some ultra-sterile kind of set of conditions. Exactly. Do you think, when, do you think it's comforting for people to get the information they sometimes get in, in a reading with a medium? Or do you well, think it's, it's harmful? It's bittersweet. I'd say, first off, it, it can be hard for them to hear because when they realize the significance and the accuracy of it, um, it'll bring them back to that day and time when their loved one passed. But it is overwhelmingly comforting um, for most people, and it, it can be a major shift in their lives, to be quite frank. some people I've seen people who have been destitute and some even suicidal who, after having a good reading, um, you know, Basically, we're healed to an extent they could move forward and do positive things. But, you know, it's critical that they go to someone credible because there are frauds out there who will take your money and make things worse. So I caution people in that area. And in my new book, Messages from the Afterlife, which comes out December 10th, I have a chapter dedicated to that and how to avoid that. How, how, in a thumbnail, how... How could I know if I'd never been to a psychic uh, or a psychic medium that the person that I was thinking about going to was 
was real, that they weren't a phony. What do I look for? Well, you, you want to go to people who are recommended to you by people you trust and know. So first off, if you know people, like, for example, you know someone, you know Donnie and you know someone else, so you, you would be a credible person to go to because you've had positive experiences and you're confident in those people. Um, if people come to me, I will share my list with them. Um, but if they, if they don't know anyone who has gone to someone that they trust and know is legit, there are some resources available. There's an organization. First off, Winbridge Institute, I mentioned, they do certify some mediums. Uh, Forever Family Foundation does as well. Um, or if somebody writes me by email, I'd be happy to share my list with them. Tell us, I know you have a new organization. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing to help parents. What's the name of it and what does it do? Sure, it's called Helping Parents Heal, and there's a link to it on my website. Um, Helping Parents Heal was developed a short time after Brandon passed. I met another woman whose son had passed, and she had started putting together meetings here in the Phoenix area for bereaved parents. The reason she did that is because one of the other large organizations out there didn't really seem to help her. It was kind of more dealing with grief than talking positively about hopeful things, such as, you know, the ongoing survival of personality and consciousness. So um, she invited me to come speak at her meeting. We started having these meetings on a monthly basis. And then um, one of one of my medium friends, Tina Powers in Tucson, kind of prodded me. She said, you know, I feel like this is a calling for you. And I took that nudge and said, and I went to my friend Elizabeth and said, you know what, I'm thinking about doing something nationally. Um, essentially what we did was we just took the blueprint she built here in the Phoenix area and then offered it out to set up chapters across the U.S. and Canada, and now we have 20 of them. And uh, I built a website um, that has some resources on there for people and also uh, some videos and, and other things like that. And then we have a Facebook page. We have, I believe, 2,000 members. Wow. And, uh, if I Googled Helping Parents Heal, would I find your website? I don't know. I haven't checked. But if anyone wants to know, it's just helpingparentsheal.info. Or, again, they can go to my site, markirelandauthor.com, and I have a link to it there. Um, and really, to wrap up, I'd say, or, you know, wrap up about Helping Parents Heal, there's really four keys to the healing processes I've seen. Um, no one's ever completely healed from losing a child, but, you know, one is having a supportive network that's usually family or friends. Number two, being able to talk to other people who have been through the same thing and um, relate, people who can relate to what you've been through. The third is getting well enough that you can provide service to others because then when you start to help others, it helps you heal too. And then the fourth element is this, you know, openness to discuss evidence for the afterlife. That's the hope element because when people have that and they know their loved one's okay, um, they can move on with their lives and they're not so consumed with that overwhelming grief. I encourage all of you to find that organization, Helping Parents Heal, if you're a parent who's lost a child. Next week's guest is Erica Tucci, who's going to talk about how she is able to thrive after having a stroke when she was at the peak of her career in a Fortune 500 company. You won't want to miss this. Mark, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Uh, I think we could probably do several shows on this topic. Uh, and it's, it's so interesting, and you present it so incredibly well. Well, thanks. It's my pleasure, and maybe after you read the next book, you want to have me back on to talk about the information in there. 
You can absolutely count on it, and I'll be first in line to get that book. This is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show. My guest, Mark Ireland, saying thank you for being with us today and come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerments.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.